Welcome to this podcast series, Magic and Mayhem, Discover the Secrets to Creating Magnificent Books for Kids and Teens. Magic and Mayhem is a free podcast and ebook series brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. If you're interested in writing for kids and teens, join us on a journey that's set to inspire and enhance your own writing skills. Download your free Magic and Mayhem ebook at magicandmayhem.com.au. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm founder of the Australian Writers' Centre. Alison Rushby is featured in this episode. She's an author of books for kids and adults, from junior fiction to young adult and commercial women's fiction. So far, she's published more than 20 books. When Alison spoke to, yes, our Alison, Alison Tate, from the Australian Writers' Centre, she had just self-published Being Hartley, which might be a bit of a surprise given that Alison has had a successful career with traditional publishing. However, as you'll hear, she has enjoyed the process of having control over her work, and it helps that she already had a ton of experience in the industry. Since then, Alison has published several more books. Her latest novel is The Mulberry Tree, a middle-grade thriller. Alison Rushby is the internationally published author of, well, lots and lots of books. She has written for adults, young adults and children, and recently ventured into the world of self-publishing with the release of her Living Blonde trilogy and her new YA novel, Being Hartley, which was published on March the 1st. Hi, Alison, and welcome to the show. Well, hello, Alison. <laughs> this is going to be like talking to myself, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why did you self-publish the Living Blonde trilogy? Um, self, the move into self-publishing was a um, bit of a no-brainer for me because I had a lot of backlist reverted to me, which is a sort of different self-publishing experience altogether. You've already sold that work, so it's a bit easier, I think, to make that decision to self-publish. So I had four books where the rights had been reverted to me, and because I was still actively publishing young adult, I decided it would be a good move to self-publish those. So you, you repackaged them and re-edited them and did a whole lot of work to those, didn't you, before you actually re-released them to Amazon? Yeah, I did. There was a, uh, quite a few years in between um, them being published and them being self-published. And also, they were originally published in Australia. So um, And for self-publishing, I wanted to make them um, just a little bit more Americanized, I suppose. And so they were uh, edited and I had, you know, covers professionally made and so on. So Being Hartley is actually a, a totally new work, isn't it, that you've chosen to self-publish. What, why did you do that? Um, I decided to do that one um, mainly because my YAs that were original ones published in the US, uh, my editor had moved houses and I just... It was too difficult to um, publish it how I wanted to publish it. So by this point, I'd had my four uh, backlist YAs out in um, self-published in the States, and I thought, you know, I may as well do this one myself. Okay, so how does self-publishing compare for you to traditional publishing? Um, it's very different. Uh, I think that you get a lot of control. Uh, a lot more control than you do in traditional publishing. But with that extra control, um, there's a lot that you lose as well. You have to be sort of eternally vigilant with self-publishing. You're always thinking um, of strategies and how you can bounce the books off each other 
um, and things like that. So how, how has that worked for you then? I mean, that's, that sounds to me like a lot of extra work. Were you expecting that? Uh, I wasn't expecting, I think, that it would prey on my mind as much as it does. Um, you sort of do need to be thinking all the time more strategically, I think, than you do with traditional publishing. Um, and also because I put out so many books in quick succession, um, five books probably over the space of um, or maybe eight or nine months. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. So, you know, that's a lot to be going on with for a start, just even things like getting the copy editing and the proof at the same time, but also how you're going to market them, not just separately, but together. Because so much of self-publishing is about promoting one book at a time on things like um, BookBub or BookBlast and then how are you going to work your promotions? Are you going to do a countdown deal on this one? Are you going to price it at 99 cents for a week? Or, you know, it's all about the strategy as compared to traditional publishing. Okay, well, that leads very neatly into a question that I wanted to ask you about discoverability, which is a big buzzword in publishing at the moment, not just in self-publishing, but also, I guess, in traditional publishing, given the number of books that are sort of available and uploaded to Amazon every day and, and you know, out there. But it's this business of basically people being able to find you. So I guess, you know, like you, you were talking about the different things that, you know, the, some of the different strategies and, and promotional techniques that you can use. But what are your thoughts on this whole concept of author platforms? Do you think that you need to put a lot of work in there to, uh, to assist you with the self-publishing aspect? I, I'm not a big believer in things like, um, you know, needing a blog or 10,000 Twitter followers or anything like that. But when it comes to self-publishing, I think your author platform is more about how many books you have to offer than it is um, how, about how, you know, many um, Facebook, follow, you know, Facebook friends you have and things like that. You really have to have that larger volume of work where you can bounce the books off each other and lead one book into the next. Right, so people will find one book and then will go looking for more of your stuff. Yeah. Rather than so. being one single lone voice in the millions on Amazon. Yeah, and I think, you know, there are some really good... I've been reading a lot of self-publishing books as I've been doing this sort of experience and there's, you know, a lot of good tips to be had out there. You know, things like at the end of one book you need to have um, you know a lead-in so that someone when a reader gets to the end of that book they know what to do next right you know? lead them through the process yeah lead them through the process of finding your next book or what they need to read from you next have you read um, like what would you say is your sort of self-publishing bible is there a, is there any one book that you would recommend on the subject um, there isn't really because a lot of them uh, do sort of speak to different people and different publishing experiences. So I read quite widely and there were some that spoke to me more than others um, and certainly some of them I wanted to throw across the room though I couldn't do that because they were my Kindle. <laughs> don't you hate that? <laughs> no, yeah, don't forget the Kindle. But um, I think, you know, everybody's experience is so different that you really do sort of need to be reading widely and you cannot take what one 
you know, author says as gospel. You need to look around and see what fits you best because at the end of the day, you will come up with your own formula of what works for your books. So do you think your experience with traditional publishing and you have worked with several different publishers here and overseas has helped or hindered your self-publishing efforts? Uh, I think it's helped a lot. Um, But, you know, you do... It has helped in the way that... Um, I've seen a lot of different things and had a lot of different experiences and that's helped me to see what I wanted to do when I had more control over my books. Okay. Do you think if you were an unpublished author now that you would self-publish first or would you try for a traditional publisher? I think it all depends what you want and what sort of area you're publishing in. Look, if I was publishing New Adult, um, I would seriously look at self-publishing myself. Um, That's such a hot self-publishing area. Whereas if I was publishing middle grade children's books, I wouldn't touch self-publishing with a 10-foot barge pole. It's just not an area where you're going to sell very many books. Okay, so you need to basically look at what you're writing and work out if it's going to work for you. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So what was the process for you to becoming a published author in the first place? Oh, okay. So uh, I did journalism at university um, and unlike you, I learned that I would be a terrible journalist (laughs) and um, I should probably do something else. But I did freelance for a few years for um, uh, magazines. Why why, Why did you come to that conclusion? What was it about it that made you think this is not for me? I just didn't enjoy it. Or maybe that was it was how they presented it because I think, um, you know, journalism now offers so many different options as compared to when I went to university in, you know, 96, 97. It's just a different world now. And there's probably lots of different aspects of journalism now that I'd enjoy a lot more than yeah. um, writing for a newspaper, yeah. you know, which was what was offered, I think, back then. Um but I sort of learned pretty quickly that um, yeah, what they were offering me wasn't probably for me. And, I mean, my mother's an author, so that was already there and visible and within the realms of possibility, yeah. I suppose, which yeah. is it's not for a lot of people, let's be frank. Yeah. And um, I start, this was when Chiclet was very hot, and I started writing a Chiclet book and sent um, a couple chapters around to a few publishers who, uh, not because I think it was a stellar piece of work, but because it was chiclet, they wanted to read it, which made me then finish it quite quickly. And while it wasn't picked up, it led me into writing my second chiclet book, which was picked up and published by Random House in 2000. Right. So, that you know, you make that sound really quite easy. Yeah, no, it wasn't easy. <laughs> well... well thing is I think I did I, I fluked that second book it um, it sort of came out the right way whereas I've had other books further down the line have not been so easy to write so I think I was slightly lucky in that it it was a solid book that came out when I wrote it you know it could have been different if it had been a trickier plot or something like that okay so I on that note I read somewhere that you said that everyone writes novels differently, which I would agree with because I know that um, 
everyone I know seems to work in a different way, but um, that it took you a few books to work out how you wrote. So what did you discover about yourself? How do you write now? Uh, I think one of the things I discovered was sort of reading more about the process of writing and learning about things like three-act structure and sort of how deconstructing a lot of books, I suppose, because, you know, what you do at school when you deconstruct a book, it's pretty simplistic, I suppose. Um, but when you, after you've written a few, you can sort of go back and look at, oh, you know, maybe I, that does speak to me when you, when you read a how-to book. Or, um, and, you know, learning about three-act structure was a bit mind-blowing for me. I sort of realised you know, wow, that, that really works and it works for me and it works for my books and it makes sense to me. And you'll find all sorts of um, different theories work for different writers. You know, what speaks to me will not speak to somebody else at all. Well, because I, I know that you're, you're quite a planner and plotter. Um, did you do that with your, like with your first couple of books or that's something that's developed? No, not at all. I had, I had no idea about how you might do that or... Um, I think a lot of it is organic in that if you are writing a novel, you're probably also a reader. You've probably read a lot of books and you're quite familiar with story and how it works. Um, so when you do hear writers like Stephen King, who are quite anti-plotting, talk about being anti-plotting, you think, well, I think that that is only because he you know, has organically learned about how to do what he does, right? But, um, so I think I think everybody is a plotter, really. It's just that some of us are maybe a little bit more anal about it. <laughs> oh no, really? <laughs> yeah. So, do you write every day? Uh, no, and I really despise when, when other writers say you must write every day and you must write your ten pages. And it's like, well, you know, I've got two kids and a husband and a cat, and you know what? I can't write every day. That's just not how life works. They just had eight weeks off school, didn't they? And I could not write every day. And that's okay. You know, it is not set in stone and you do not need to write every day and life happens, you know. Yeah. So I think you, if you can manage to keep writing and keep squeezing it in where you can, then that's what really matters. Okay, so you write across a lot of different markets, as we discussed. Um, is that difficult? Um. I think after I have written for a long time now, I suppose, like this is um, 14 years since my first published novel came out for me. So I've simply had to do that to keep things interesting. Right. Um, I think, you know, I started younger than a lot of people start. There's a lot, I'm 40 in a few months and there's a lot of people who just who start at over 40 yeah if i if i'd been writing the same thing all the time i'd be really bored yeah, um, yeah fair enough um you know i just i couldn't keep myself interested for that period of time and also the market changes so much you know i st when i started out i was so much younger and um you know i just lived a very different sort of life and had different experiences and was writing chiclet and I just I don't think I could write chiclet now it just doesn't speak to me so okay so what are you working on at the moment um I have obviously regressed so <laughs> <laughs> in my old age 
and I am now, I have a middle grade book coming out with Alan and Unwin in sept, in September. Right. And um, so I'm working on the edits for that. Does that have a title yet? Uh, yes. How to Save the Universe in 10 Easy Steps. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> The title might have changed a few times, so yes, it's not rolling off my tongue yet. Okay. And and I'm also working on some edits for another middle grade and um, yes, I'm also, you know, working on the publicity for Being Hartley, which just came out on the 1st of March. So that's uh, all keeping you very busy, I would imagine. Yes, but the kids are in school at the moment, so that's good, isn't it? Oh dear, yes, that is good. All round, that is good. Um... Okay, so what are your top three tips for aspiring authors? I think my top three tips would be, number one, read. Read and read and read and read. Um, You really need to know what is out there and what works and the sort of books you like to read really sort of do tell you what you most likely should be writing, I think. Okay. Um, It always surprises me to find when people read one thing and write something completely different. Um, I always think that that is a bit of a worry. Or they're, you know, trying to write in one area and um, maybe because of the market, you know. So I think, you know, reading what you love and understanding what you love gives a lot to your writing. Um. Number two would probably be one for people who are interested in self-publishing is um, coming from a traditional background uh, in publishing. I think you do see the benefits of a really good structural edit, a really good copy edit and a really good proofread and a professionally designed cover. Please have a professionally designed cover. Yes, please. Uh, Please do. Um, I think... You really can't underestimate those things in um, when you're self-publishing your book. Okay. Um, and number three, I'd, I would say don't worry too much about Twitter and Facebook <laughs> and all the and having a blog and things like that. Just write a really good book that people cannot put down. That at the end of the day, that is all that matters. Is this fantastic book? Okay, well, thank you so much for that, Alison, and thank you so much for talking to us today. Good luck with being Hartley, and I look forward to finding out the 10 steps for saving the universe come September. Yes, they, they do come in handy. <laughs> you never know when they'll be coming handy. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, and I'm the internationally published best-selling author of two epic adventure series, The Mapmaker Chronicles and The Ataban Cipher. My books are available in Australia, the US, the UK and other territories and are perfect for young readers aged nine or older. Find out more about me and my books at alisontait.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T dot com. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our course, Inside Publishing, gives you a peek inside the complex world of publishing. 
Created by author of more than 30 books, Pamela Freeman, who also writes as Pamela Hart, the course gives you a step-by-step -step guide on everything you need to know about the publishing process and how this should affect your writing, pitching and submissions. It's essential information if you want to navigate the publishing world and get the best chance for your book success. You'll learn about the copyright issues that will affect you, what territories you need to negotiate for, and how ebooks and audiobooks will impact your income. You'll also discover whether indie publishing or traditional publishing is better for your goals. With our online self-paced courses, you can learn in your own time with 12 months access to all course materials. Find out more at writerscentercomau slash publishing. That's writercentercomau slash publishing. So there you go. Alison has managed to move between traditional publishing and self-publishing and get benefits from both. She's dead right though. If you're going to self-publish, make sure you do it right. It's not a case of simply pressing a button and going, voila, published. You need to invest in a good proofread and structural edit as well. And design. Nobody will buy an ugly ebook. It's strange because it's not like it's going to be sitting on a shelf, but there you go. You have to have a good cover or no one will buy your book. The cover is the thing that will stop people as they're scrolling through. You want it to be your book that their finger stops on. You've been listening to Magic and Mayhem with the Australian Writers' Centre. For awesome writing tips, short story competitions and incredible courses that do change people's lives, which you can do in person or online, join our wonderful and friendly writing community. The best way is to go to writerscentre.com.au and sign up to our weekly newsletter. That's writerscentre.com.au.